TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in. Hoist the colors on this Wednesday edition, Wednesday, February 21st. Going to mix things up a little bit on this Wednesday. We will have Bobby Harward, who's brought to you by Basils today. As always, he is our usual guest. He is joining us over the computer. We'll introduce him in a second. We also have got Philip Pilkington producing, and we got Kaysen Romaley in studio. So we got a full show. It's going to be a lot of fun discussion. And really looking forward to it because we got pirate basketball, positive vibes to talk about. Baseball, currently not so positive vibes, but I'll tell you why last night's loss, not such a big deal. Although I get the frustration. Um, yeah, we'll get into that. We may even talk some NASCAR because apparently all of us watched the race. Kaysen's wearing his, uh, Dale, three's up, his Dale, Dale Earnhardt shirt. So we'll talk some NASCAR as well. All right. Let's go around the horn to introduce everybody. Case Romaley in studio, fresh off Bowie's Creek. So, uh, first off, what were your impressions of Bowie's Creek? Well, I will say, like, it is it is nice. It does have a clean look. It's just, like, it's like an old clean look. It is old there. It is small. Um, I don't think their stadium is much bigger than, um, is it, what's ECU softball? Uh, Max Jordan. Max, I don't think it's much bigger than that. It was very small, very, very cramped in there. And then the press box, I was like in Harry Potter's closet slash room, and it was just, it was it was doable, but sometimes it was a little hard to see at the plate. I got a good sliver of between a computer and the window where I could see, but when Christian laid down that bunt, I could not see the ball right. because of just where I was. So I didn't really know what was happening, and because I was trying to find the ball, and I didn't even see Carter sliding quick and then no one was covering first and then it, that was the whole situation because me and Patrick and Chip kind of were a little like confused over there because everything happened so quick right there and just to tie it up but I mean I'm not going to figure out about the loss we're in February season ends in June so I mean we got months to go but we did pitch four of our best relievers and did not win so that is a little concerning in my opinion all right, we'll get into uh, some defensive issues as well here in a little bit. All right, Bobby Howard is on the computer. He's at home. Bobby, I know we'll talk basketball later, but you are back on potentially the excitement train for hoops <coughs> and uh, baseball as well. I know you're excited about despite last night, and you were telling us you watched some Daytona 500, so a lot going on in the Howard household right now. A lot going on, battling the the pink eye. So the uh, six strand uh, finally hit us, and then I got my Charlotte FC kit on. I guess is how they phrase it in, in soccer. You know, I love everything David Tepper touches, so I figured I would support and wear my MLS kit. I forgot. Yeah, now we got. I'm joined by three Panther fans, so we have to talk David Tepper. We'll get all y'all going on Tepper, and just I'll just leave the studio, let y'all go back and forth. Uh, Philip Pilkington behind the glass. Philip, I guess you got your producer cam set up today as well, so let's see that glorious face if you're watching our YouTube stream. And uh, two days after William Byron's win, are you still uh, still celebrating, or have you moved on to the next race? 
No, you know, I've moved on. Obviously, he had to celebrate yesterday, taking the Harley J. Earl Trophy to New York. That's kind of a tradition. Uh, I don't know if they still get him on the Today Show, but uh, ready to go for Atlanta. Um, unfortunately, he's probably missing some team meetings and some sim time, as you always do when you win the Daytona 500. And on top of that, it was postponed today. But uh, on to the next one. You're in the playoffs, so got to accumulate playoff points and, and be ready to go. It's a long season, 25 more races between now and the playoffs, and uh, want to get as many playoff points as you can. All right, let's talk baseball. We'll get more in-depth into basketball and uh, NASCAR later. Again, we're live on YouTube, Facebook. If you got a question, a comment, concern, drop it there. We'll get to it over the next hour. All right, so, look, I get it. People don't like losing to Campbell four times in a row, four one-run losses in a row. But if you know baseball, this is about as fluky as it gets. One-run games can go either way. Like, there are so many little things that happen in baseball, and you give Campbell credit. They have made the plays. They made more plays last night. They deserve to win the game. East Carolina, I thought, played about as sloppy as it could play, especially in the field and at times on the mound, and still had a chance to win the game. And so I'm not discouraged at all. Look, I get the frustration because you're losing to Campbell. If you look at the series as a whole, one-run loss, one-run loss, one-run loss, one-run loss, four times in a row dating back to last year. So I get the frustration, but if you look at this game in itself – it's not that big of a deal, people. So, huge weekend ahead. Move forward. But I do get the frustration. Would have been a lot better to beat Campbell. Put the, the Bowie's Creek voodoo behind you, Kaysen. But, look, it's baseball, man. You're, you're not going to go 56-0. and You lose a one-run game, it happens. And, yeah, like, all the people figuring out, like, look, this isn't a knockout blow. This isn't a punch to the face. This is just a, this is just a little body shot. I mean, it's not – yes, it's a, yes, it hurts. It's a thorn to the side. But, I mean – Look, last night was just a similar story to all ECU athletics in the past year. Just in crucial moments, sometimes they just crumble. Whether it's football, whether it's basketball, in those high-pressure moments, they just seem to crumble. And that Nowak made two Nowak made two mistakes. Wilcoxon made a mistake throwing to second, which airmailed one. And but then, what people aren't talking about that I think was pretty important was. Will Coxon is probably the best throw I've ever seen in second base in my entire life, and Starling drops it. It was just a comedy of errors. It's a comedy of errors, but they'll be fine. I'm not worried about them. We'll see how they bounce back this weekend. Bobby, what's your – I know you can watch the game because, you know, flow sports and all, the uh, nightmare that is. But uh, what's your take on this early season loss? You know, you're a baseball guy, big Orioles guy, and obviously follow ECU. So, like, are people freaking out for the right reasons, or is it just – I don't know. What's your take on all this? I think I go back to, like, we're fans, we're fanatics, and <clears throat> going to freak out regardless. Uh, it's bit, like you you both have said it, it's baseball. It's it's early season loss. It's February still. Like, it, it's not warm season yet. Like, there's just a lot of adjustments, and that's going to – things that are going to progress throughout the rest of the season. Like, honestly, that Ryder series is surprised me more um, than – losing to Campbell last night. Like their their domination in the the Ryder series is probably more surprising to me than that loss at Campbell. Um I did have to stay off the message boards between that loss and the new um ECU football schedule announcements. It just I, I knew it was not gonna be a good place for me to read uh on Hoist the Colors yesterday. So I did stay off the message boards um all, all yesterday and then picked it back up this morning. All right, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, 
crazy times. But you're right, fans is uh, short for fanatics. Philip, what did you make of the game last night? And uh, I know you have weighed in on the message boards, speaking of the message boards. Um, what did you make of the Pirates losing to Campbell, and is it cause for concern at all? It is absolutely not cause for concern. ECU lost to a good team last night, okay? Vandy's number six in the country. They lost to Dayton, who hasn't been in a regional since 2012. Wake lost to UNCG. This is college baseball. This is midweeks. Did we play bad? Yes. If we play like that again in the near future, will I be worried? Yes. You played one bad game against a team who was throwing a guy who talent-wise is like a weekend guy. They have to win their midweeks to make a tournament because they might not win their conference like they normally do. They have to beat us. They have to beat Duke. They have to beat Carolina. They have to beat NC State. We lost a baseball game. Nobody wins every baseball game. It's baseball. This isn't football. We're not Ohio State. We're Alabama in football. Yeah, is it disappointing we've lost four in a row? Yes, but we're getting too caught up in the opponent and not enough caught up in the quality of the opponent. I go, we were talking about before the show, if they sweep Ohio this week, they're probably ranked. They just took two out of three against UC Santa Barbara. This team almost hosted a regional last year. They lost a lot. They have a lot of questions to be answered. They've got a lot of new faces, but they seem to be playing well. Friday was ugly. They look good Saturday. They look good Sunday. I, I, yeah, I, I don't see the freak out. I, I just I can't get behind freaking out over one loss. I mean, it's college baseball. That's a darn good baseball team. Yeah, and, and look, if ECU goes on the road and loses big Friday night and they get swept this weekend, then, yeah, there's calls for major concern. I'll say the one thing that concerns me this early in the season, and it was a concern of mine going into the year, is the defense. And I felt like it was going to show up in these closer games where it's more magnified. Now, Justin Wilcoxon is a, a really good defensive catcher. He's going to be fine. Um you know, Starlin makes that catch probably 99 times out of 100. Just to, I, he made the catch. The ball was what knocked out of his glove. Yeah, the right? guy, the guy knocked so out. So like, glove. kind of a freak baseball thing there. And uh, you know, the outfield defense I think has to be addressed at some point. You know, we did see a lot of this last year. I think at some point you got to look at getting Bristol Carter in there earlier, if not starting, uh, with his talent level, speed, and defense. But you know, that's obviously a coaching decision. And we'll see how that continues to play out. But the defense was a concern of mine going into the year, and that's the one big takeaway I have from last night. Yeah, and we're all talking about ECU, but I want to shout out uh, Campbell and Grant Kennett. Uh, Man, what a game he had. Three-run home run, then goes to close the game after catching the whole game. I mean, props to him. He played an amazing game, and that's pretty incredible. And just, yeah. I don't know where Campbell finds these finds these guys. Just these deep, just the D2 starting pitcher, Carver at the beginning, and then, he kind of went, He, but that's just going to happen. You're going to let up some runs, but he was playing well. And then I just don't know where Campbell finds these guys. They just find them out of the woodshed. And they've hit the the portal and Juco. Justin Harris done a heck of a job there, their head coach. So you, you give them credit. Uh, Keith says the midweek excuse is stale. Look, I mean, ECU struggled in midweeks last year. They're 0-1 this year. But at the end of the day in college baseball, weekends are going to be the most important thing. ECU does need to be better in midweek. But it's one game out of, what, 10, 12, 14 midweek games this year. So we'll see what the larger sample size says. Um, Bobby, going back to you on the baseball front, whether last night or just Ryder from an opening weekend standpoint, what, what has stood out to you the most through four games from this East Carolina baseball team? 
Mm, that's a that's a good question. Uh, probably for me, the the pitching on Saturday and Sunday to to pitch two consecutive shutouts in college baseball is pretty impressive. So, um, I I thought Zach Root looked pretty comfortable out there. I like the pace of our pitchers coming in. I know that they had a pretty good pace, and as a fan, I always appreciate that because it doesn't drag out the game uh, longer than it needs to be. Uh, Keith Garrett says we have holes at shortstop and right field defensively. Um, I think JC's been fine in right field this this season. I think, I think it's more left, think field. Say left field, probably. Yeah, I mean, last night there were two balls, not easy plays, but balls that got to be caught. I mean, Campbell plays an air free game, ECU commits two errors, and then just left some plays on the field. So I, I just think for me, I mean, we, that's kind of something we saw last year and. You know, we'll continue to monitor that situation. But the tough thing with Nowak is he's he's he puts up quality at bats. He sees a lot of pitches. He gets on base, and you don't want to necessarily have to DH a speed guy. But if the defense isn't there, you know, you you got to have quality defense. So it's just one of those things they're going to have to work through. And you know, they already have kind of a log jam at DH first base. Like Cam Clunch has a huge pinch hit at bat, gets a walk. You know, does he need to be in the lineup every day? So. We're four games in, but I think there are still some things that have to be ironed out, Kaysen. Yeah, I'll say, I think that I'm not Cliff, and he's not listening to me, of course, but me on Saturday with what happened last night, Keith Riley Johnson in center, put Carter in left, or either either or, it doesn't really matter. And then... Um, Which corner? Uh, Bristol, my okay. fault. That's, I was... You got Bristol Carter and yeah, Cunningham could play yeah. there, too. And then I, in the look, I've been harping on. I really think Cam Clunch's bat needs to be in the lineup. I mean, last night in a pressure situation, he went up and got, he went up and had a great AB, got a walk, and then Sunday he had a moonshot. So he's been playing well. I just think he needs to be in the lineup. And maybe if you don't, if you don't want Bristol Carter out there yet, like he's a freshman, I don't know why he's not out there, but maybe put Cunningham back in outfield, then put Clunch there, and then maybe DH Carter there if you want that speed. So. There's things, you know, it'll, it'll be worked out over the course of the season and, uh, 52 games left plus postseason. So we'll see how it all plays out. By the way, props to you, Kaysen, for first off covering the game and asking Cliff Godwin not one, but two questions post game, man. You, uh, I've had a lot of interns and I don't think many of them have asked Cliff Godwin a question, let alone after a loss like that. So yeah. props to you, bro. Well, I, well, I feel like I feel like I had to step up to the, to the plate and I definitely did get hit by pitch to the head. I mean, he <laughs> stared into my soul that second question. He was not very happy with the second question, but, I mean, got to do my job, man. Hey, you asked what, right, what was the me- what's the message I asked going him, into the UNC? I asked him, what's the message going into this weekend, another big matchup? He looks at me, looks through my through me, we're going to practice, we're going to lift weights, we're going to practice. Look, there will be a much different message than we're going to practice and we're going to live for sure. But uh, this, look, he doesn't, he doesn't want us to know. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, that's fun. Good job. All right. Let's get a break in. And uh, now that you've survived that, you'll be fine. That's what I'm saying. Is the main thing. Um, We'll get a break in. We'll come back. We'll talk pirate basketball. We'll ask Bobby, is he fully back on board with pirate hoops or is he still in wait and see mode? We'll discuss that and more on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back in. Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. Casey Romaley in studio. Philip Pilkin in producing. Bobby Harvard also with us. 
in his usual Wednesday slots. By the way, Bobby and Kaysen today brought to you by Basil's Restaurant and Pizzeria. Check them out, 1675 East Fire Tower Road. And uh, as always, great salad, great Italian food, pizza, hoagies, everything. They got it all at Basil's uh, over by the AMC Movie Theater. Check them out. All right, guys, it is time to talk what everybody wants to talk about. Pirate basketball. Just when you think the season wasn't going to be fun to watch anymore, they reel you back in. They've been playing great hoops. Finally, we get some we get some good ball, Case, and no, no more bad ball. It's all good ball from here as uh, ECU wins 81-67. Let's start with Bobby because he tweeted at us and uh, – he said, I don't know, I can't read the exact phrase, Bobby, but something about you, you may be getting excited again. And we've, look, we've been on this roller coaster all year, Bobby, up and down. Are you back on uh, on the coaster? I said, uh, I believe my exact words, I may regret saying this, but I think I may be back in. And I also texted you and said they're 100% losing to Rice on Saturday after I sent out this tweet. So, I mean, that's just kind of guaranteed how it's going to happen. Um, it has been good ball, though. Winning three games is a big deal. Like, the fact they haven't done that yet in the American is kind of, honestly, sad. pretty amazing, but also <laughs> very sad. And also kind of paints a picture of the history of this program or lack thereof. Um, definitely, though, looking ahead of the schedule, like – you beat Rice. Memphis is in shambles. I think Penny Hardaway is out. I mean, he's probably the worst X's and O's coach in the American. And then you got three pretty tough ones down the stretch. But excited for sure, but I'm still not getting my hopes up because, let again, they're just going to let me down at some point. I'm glad that they have some time off between the Rice game. I think I texted you this as well. Like I felt like if they had to turn around and play that Rice game today, you know, you kind of get over this hump of winning three in a row. I, I think I think it does have letdown written all over it. But I think now that you have some time off, Schwartz said they're giving them two days off from practice to really kind of re- refocus. I feel pretty good about them coming back, um, ready to go. We'll see. They play at Rice this Saturday. Case, and what would you make of, of Sunday's win over the Tulane Green Wave and the Pirates winning three in a row? You were in Minji's. For the whole thing, so how was it? Man, it was never a doubt from from the tip off. Even when four started raining them threes, I was like, man, we're I was win. definitely we're doubting at that point. Man, I'm just kidding. As soon as he came out, he had eight points in the first, I think, two minutes. Uh, you texted me and goes, Force might have fifty. I was like, oh, yep. He quit shooting. Yeah, and and then um, another thing that wasn't talked about on Sunday, which I don't know how it slipped both our minds in the press conference, was cross. How many shots did he take? He went 0 for 2 from the field. Yeah, I mean, that's just ridiculous. He scored four points all at the free throw line. He came in averaging 18 points. And we lost by 14. Well, there's that that 14 points right there. There's that 18 points Mm -hmm. right there. So, I mean, just just another great win by the Pirates. And look, there are two things correlating right now. East Carolina wins and Brandon Johnson's field goal percentage in scoring. He is trending... Like a space rocket straight up, and so are the Pirates. I'm so happy with them. And the emergence of Bobby Pettiford off the bench has been great. Just him playing off the bench, finding guys. Him and Jaden both combined for, I think, 15 assists it is? Seven and eight? This past uh, this past game, let's see, I got the stats. Eight? Yep, eight and seven. Yeah, just, just, just them just finding the open guys. And then also something else to talk about enough is Cam Hayes has been shooting the ball well. He's become more efficient. 
And because of this, some people are going to have to take a back seat, and that's what Ezra Asar has. But if they're if they're winning, I think the whole team's fine because Ezra's the farthest thing from a bad teammate. Because even when he's on the bench, he's still engaged, high-fiving guys. When there's a media timeout, he's the first guy off the bench, high-fiving guys. So right now, this program is trending upward. Yeah, I was so I did make it over the last few minutes, and one of the things I noticed sitting courtside taking pictures was Ezra was not in the game for the for the final like four minutes, but like he was super engaged, super hyped when the the shots were going in. He was as energetic as anybody outside of Keith Pugh, the strength coach, of course, on the bench. Uh, so I thought that was a good sign. And uh, Bobby, it's amazing, man, how much better basketball teams look when the shots just go in like ecu goes from this like team you can't even watch to all of a sudden like it actually looks like a basketball team right oh it's fun basketball to watch yeah exactly that kind of you you mentioned it earlier um you thinking you know this week ahead having this break is the best thing for them i actually kind of counter and wonder if it's better for them to play while they're hot like right now shots are falling they're in a good mojo like you want to keep this thing going and continue to build. I do think we'll see uh, the maturity of this team or lack thereof, depending how Saturday goes based upon, you know, how they perform. But, yeah, I mean, the thing that keeps me optimistic is, you know, some of these guys are new to the program, like like Pettiford and Cam Hayes and, and some of those guys, but there's so much experience there just up and down the roster. It's really encouraging to, to hear that Azar is being so um, active on the bench and encouraging. That was kind of one of my concerns when he's not getting the playing time that he likes but to see him encouraging his teammates and still being engaged in the game um i'm encouraged also by the uh development of seer as the season's gone on like he's been he's been serviceable i mean there's still definitely rooms for a ton of growth but he's been serviceable and then Jaden walker's really turned it around and defensively has stepped up and, and it makes a world of difference when you have a long guard like that that can guard on the perimeter Johnny Robertson says 64 assists during this three-game winning streak. The Pirates are 8-0. When they have 15 or more assists, ECU had 25 assists against 10 turnovers on Sunday. So that, obviously, when you make shots, you get assists. It goes hand-in-hand. Philip, what did you make of, you know, this just three-game winning streak. What has been the biggest difference from your vantage point as you look at you know, there are some obvious things, but are there any things we haven't touched on that has kind of led to this turnaround, at least to this point, for ECU basketball? I think you guys have hit on it, but the one thing I kind of want to focus on here is before this three-game win streak, people were upset. People were calling for Mike Schwartz to be fired, and I was saying, look, Mike Schwartz said he was going to build a defensive team first. He did that. He did what he said he was going to do. Now it's on Mike Schwartz to build an offensive team around his already solid defense enough to where they don't lose games 60-58 to or whatever it was to North Texas. This offense has found a consistent identity. It's not only that they've won three games, they've won three games and they've all looked the same. There's consistency with this offense. There's consistency with Jaden Walker like there was at the end of last year. To Kaysen's point, you've got Pettiford and, and um, Cam Hayes scoring at a better rate. Don't you know That helps too. But this offensive identity is something you can build on. This team was so caught up in defense earlier in the year, 
And throughout Schwartz's first year, they almost forgot to play offense. And it's okay to be defense first. Look at the Virginia team that won the national championship a few years ago. They were defense first, but they still had an offensive identity. This team has had the same offensive identity all three games. And now, you just got to be consistent with it. You going to win every game? No. You going to look this fluent on offense every game? No. But let's just see some consistent. We've seen it through three games. We got this week off. Got to come out firing on all cylinders come Saturday. Kaysen, Jaden Walker, to me, you know, we saw him second half of last year take over point, make such a huge difference. Didn't score a lot on Sunday, but eight assists, six rebounds, four steals, three points. I just feel like in the defense, he's usually guarding the other team's best player. So, like, Jaden Walker, to me, when he's on the point and he's, he's playing well, you know, outside of the obvious, Brandon Johnson hitting shots, R.J. Felton hitting shots. I think Jaden Walker just makes this this whole thing go at times as well. He's for sure the glue guy. And something that I liked, and I even asked Schwartz in the press conference about it, is when he plays Jaden and Bobby both same time on the floor, things really, really move well. And at one point, the lineup was, it was Bobby, Jaden, Cam, Brandon, and Sear. And at that point, the ball was just slinging around, and and <clears throat> excuse me, and because there's no RJ there to take a little elbow jumper, there's no Ezra there to throw it down to the block, and the ball just moves so well with both of them. And I think that Bobby and Jaden play off each other, and they play well. It is so hard for teams to play two point guards, but the teams who can do it right have success, and the Pirates have. All right, we got a question about standings from Hunter Payton. I'll tell you you what, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll address this question, and then we'll we'll look at ECU's upcoming schedule in basketball, talk about the seeding picture. We'll get into all that discussion as the conference tournament not too far away. ECU currently tied for sixth place. We'll discuss that more. This is Hoist the Colors on Wednesday. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. Hi, welcome back in. Hoist the colors. Fun show. Bobby Howard with us as usual Wednesday. Casey Romaley hopping in. Tomorrow we got uh, Scooter Rogers in studio. We'll talk baseball. More of the Camel game. Also look ahead to the UNC series. He will be in studio. And then next week we got a huge football week. We'll have Jake Garcia in studio Tuesday. We'll still talk to Bobby and Scooter as well on Wednesday and Thursday, but we'll also be joined by Chad Stevens and J.D. Lampley each of those days. Uh, Chad on Wednesday and J.D. Lampley Thursday. So it's going to be a huge football week <coughs> Excuse me for Hoist the Colors. All right, guys. ECU has a little bit of a bye this week with the Rice game, and I kind of like how that sets up, but – Saturday is definitely a trap game. What are your thoughts on Rice and the upcoming schedule? Well, first of all, I'll let you, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about Rice, but let the let the people know what I said in the break after you drink your coffee right here. Well, I think this weekend Rice, me personally, this is not a trap game. They're playing well. They're going they're going to win. And then they're going to play Memphis. Memphis on Thursday night. Correct, yeah. Yes, Thursday night. And then that's going to be a special night for R.J. Felton. He's going to get his thousandth ball, 
thousand point ball. It's gonna be a nice night of recognition. Then they're gonna travel to North Texas, get the win. That means one, two, three, four, five, six game winning streak. What do you what? We're gonna go on a what is happening right now? Cason <laughs> is in, in his feels. Who who let Cason have a mic in front of his face? Look, is what I want to know. Look, the Pirates are feeling it, and I think the schedule plays the part. They will they will lose the SMU, SMU, but then come back here and beat Charlotte big, and finish the year eleven and seven in the conference. <laughs> I thought you were de- I thought you were out on this team, Cason. See what happened? I was I was never out. Me and you just had this conversation. Like man, like. I don't know, they're good. But I was never out. Even when they were bad, I was still going to be in the end. But they've turned it around. They're going to go on a nice little six-game win streak right here, <laughs> and they'll be fine. Trust. All right, Bobby, so you're you're still on the fence. What do you make of Cason's uh, scenario right here? If this plays out, this would have ECU. It's l- not far-fetched. 11-7 and seven in conference. And let's see, it would also have them 18-13 and 13 final wow. record. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I love the optimism. <laughs> um, I, I do agree with, for sure, two of his games. The at SMU is a loss, and the home against Charlotte is a win. I'm just concerned with how this team responds at Rice from the standpoint of this is the most success that they've had. So how, how do they build off of it? I do think we beat Memphis at home. Um, the North Texas one is a toss-up, like – that game, obviously, we should have won that here at home. So, um, looking ahead a little bit too at the schedules, like I, I do think it's, <clears throat> especially those teams we're kind of tied with six in sixth place with. Like, uh, I know we're going to get to this a little bit later, but but Memphis has a pretty difficult schedule ahead. Yeah, they do. I, I was checking that out, man. They they have a gauntlet, and the unbalanced schedule with the American having fourteen teams is crazy. And you know ECU clearly only plays Memphis FAU once, and, and uh, South Florida once, right? Yeah, only South Florida once. So it's it's, I mean, it's you really get a pretty favorable schedule for ECU. That's what I'm saying. What a year to only play South Florida once. Yeah, I mean, so it's uh, it it it, it works out pretty good. But if you're ECU right now, you know, you let's look at the standings here, guys. All right, so South Florida in first, still amazing, twelve and one. As they sit atop the league, they beat FAU this past weekend to go up two games over them. Charlotte is in second place in the league, eleven and two. FAU and SMU are tied for third at ten and three, followed by UAB nine and three. So you got your five team cluster there at the top. Really, nobody's going to catch them uh, below the UAB at nine and three because Memphis, North Texas, ECU are tied at seven and six. That's sixth through eighth place, and then you got a giant drop off. To the bottom league, nine and down. You got Tulane and Tulsa at four and nine. You got Rice at three and nine. Wichita, Temple, UTSA, two and eleven. So you, you basically have three different clusters here: the top, the middle, the middle, which ECU is in with Memphis and North Texas, and then you got the bottom. So ECU right now really in play for the sixth through eighth seed in the upcoming tournament. And we talked about the good thing is you have Memphis and North Texas right ahead of you. So. Pirates kind of control their own destiny, at least in this kind of middle pack. Uh, Philip, we'll kind of go around the horn here. Just uh, how interested are you? This is the first time ECU has played like meaningful basketball in late February, and you know it's only the middle of the pack in the American, but it's better than the bottom. So, how interested are you in following kind of the standings and where ECU falls going to the tournament, Tom? I go. I am from the state 
that lives, breathes, <laughs> and dies. College basketball. And this is my seventh year in Greenville, and the first time that ECU basketball has been relevant on February the 21st. I'm pumped, baby. Are they going to go to Rice and blow it this week? Who knows? History tells us hey, they probably will, but I'm still not. pumped to watch the game. Uh, you know, hey, we're relevant. Sixth place in the conference. If we can finish that in the regular season, that would be awesome. Look, I know that we had high expectations coming into the year. We thought that might be a little too high at one time. But, look, they still might do it. This is awesome. This is college basketball country. Look, every team in this country, in this state is good. Obviously, you got Tobacco Road. Wake, I know Wake's the little weird little stepbrother, but they haven't lost a game at home all year. High points kicking butt. Davidson is historically a good team. Charlotte's historically a good team. USCW is always rocking. Where are we at, ECU? We're finally here. Let's go, baby. Man, it is amazing what winning <laughs> what winning will do, guys. Uh, Kaysen, what do you make of this this cluster ECU is in? Can the Pirates, oh, obviously in your mind, they're finishing sixth. Um, you know, that, that's the optimistic version of Kaysen. So is that also There's the not a version? There's not another version. Is there another version? Have I, I, I've heard pessimistic. Have I, funny. have I ever been negative about the uh, about the fire uh, basketball pro, never. program? Never. <laughs> All right. Well, you should hear yourself <clears throat> on press row. Oh, <laughs> good. Good thing there's just press there. But all but all I have to say is just with um with the easy basketball season, it's just it's a perfect reflection of college basketball and how there's just going to be ups and downs. There's going to be roller coasters. There's going to be Bad losses, great wins. I mean, look at UConn last night, lost by 19 points to Creighton. It losses are going to happen, and I think you just have to weather the storm. And then with and then with the conference standings, I think they can finish around fifth or sixth. They can't finish fifth, can't they? Unless they yeah, went out. I mean, unless they went out. UAB would have to lose four times, and ECU would have to win out. It's possible. But Jason is going to lay out a scenario. For but but look, I, I I will say this: if they if they beat Rice this weekend, they'll beat Memphis. But if they lose the Rice, I think they lose to Memphis. I mean, the Rice game is huge because you keep if you if you beat Rice again, you've got a, a nice little break once again. Saturday to Thursday, to build anticipation going into that home game. If you lose, kind of flatlines a little bit. So that's the, I don't care how ugly it is. Win at Rice, Bobby, is crucial. Um, are you are you all in on the conference standings, or are you just I don't know? Are you lukewarm on it? What do you think right now? Yeah, I think um, first of all, when uh, Kaysen was talking about his scenario, it reminded me of Angels in the Outfield and little JP saying it could happen. <laughs> like that's just what was ringing in my head for some odd reason. I don't know if any of you have seen that movie, uh, but it's one of my favorites. Uh, but getting back on track, looking at – I'm looking way ahead, I go. I'm looking at the, the conference tournament schedule, and if we can finish with the number six seed, we play in that last game on that Thursday, that Thursday night game, that late game, but you play a team that has played the day before. You play the winner of the 14-11. So right now you'd be looking at playing the winner of the Rice-UTSA game, which I don't know about y'all. I like the idea of, of playing uh, somebody that has already played in the conference tournament. Like you, you kind of have that extra bye day. Um, but I do think it's feasible if they, they finish at six. Um, it's just crazy the up and down of the season. Like we were – Preseason number five, I believe, is what we were, and then we just went into the dumps. and And I know I was very pessimistic, and and 
things are looking bright now, so I am excited. The, the biggest difference, it's funny how winning cures all. There's no doubt. It's crazy, and, and I'm glad you pulled up that conference tournament bracket because I did too, Bobby. It is never too early to look into March, and yeah. So basically, if you finish as you know, if you get a top four seed in the American, which ECU will not, you get a double bye, which is critical. I mean, that is a massive advantage. If you finish in the top ten, you don't have to play on the first day. The first day will be number eleven versus number fourteen seed, number twelve seed versus number thirteen seed. But if you get five or six, which Bobby just brought up, you get to face a team that played the day before. If you are seven, eight, nine, ten, you play a team that's already predetermined. Like seven will play ten on the second day, eight will play nine. I mean, I would say the odds probably have ECU likely in that eight nine game right now, which as it stands would be a, re- a rematch with either Tulane or Tulsa. A lot of ball left, but if you could get into that six, I think six spot, I think that would be critical. So I mean. Look, guys, there's a reason to look into March for ECU basketball, but it starts this Saturday. I mean, the Rice game is critical. you got to find a way to, to win that, another road game. By the way, shout-out to Johnny Robertson, who is our stat guy. After the USF loss, he came on this show, or maybe it was actually after the Charlotte game, uh, he came on the show and said, we're going to win four in a row. And I think at the time I was like, yeah, there's there's no way that happens, even with the favorable schedule. But he called it. It's come to fruition. And now uh, at least the first three, we'll see if number four happens. But uh, four four wins in a row will be crucial. Hunter says if Charlotte wins against Memphis tonight, we'll be tied for fifth in the conference, highest, highest ranking ever for us. So ECU would actually be tied for sixth still if Memphis loses tonight. Uh, by the way, guys, Memphis five and a half point favorite over Charlotte. Where at? Vegas. Or in Memphis, but according to Vegas, so the, Vegas man. is still on the penny train. See, look, I, look, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a hater. But look, I don't think that Charlotte team is that good. I mean, they Charlotte, just, they I just don't find think they're that good either. They, I will say this: they are a gritty. They find the Charlotte Forty Nineers are like are like the Detroit Lions this past year. Well, actually, no, Twitter are good. Much, my, much fault, my fault, my fault, my fault. Terrible comparison. My fault, my fault, my fault. I just, I just hey, heard at least word, you realize your error. I just heard the word grit through them in there. But look, Charlotte, they just find a way to win, but I don't think their talent level outside of that Igor kid is just... Look, I think that... Put it this way. If you put Brandon Johnson or RJ Felton on that team, they're the best player on the team. And But but granted, they play great. They play like, a, they play like one. Great. They have a good head coach, but... I don't think Charlotte's that good, and I think the one guaranteed win left on this, left on this season is Charlotte at home. All right, I'm going to take some people off here. What what Kaysen was trying to say when he said the Detroit Lions is he was trying to say Campbell's baseball team. Gritty and finds ways to win despite not being that good. Fair. That's probably a better comparison than the Detroit Lions. So you're taking Memphis 5.5 is what you're saying. Yes, I think they beat Charlotte at home. By 5.5? Yeah, I'll take him five and a half. All right. I'll, take five. I'll text you tonight when they choke one away again. Okay. The Tigers, that is. All right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll talk NASCAR. We may talk some uh, ECU scheduling as well. Some news was dropped there. And uh, we'll talk about that, NASCAR, and more to wrap up the show. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Hi, welcome back in Hoist the Colors. Spring football right around the corner. We'll have some football coverage next week. 
Just, man, I tell you what, basketball winning just brings such life to the program. It is good to be with you guys here. Pirates riding a three-game winning streak. We're having a ball on this Wednesday. Bobby Harward is with us. He's brought to you by Basil's today. Check him out by the movie movie theater. You may see Bobby there picking up takeout every week, at least one time. Case uh, and Romaley also in studio, and Philip Pilkington is behind the glass. All right, we're going to hit some NASCAR real quick, and then we'll hit ECU scheduling news. So we talked about – we all watched the Daytona 500. And we'll go reverse order here, I think, of potential interest in the next race. It is Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, I'll say there's a 37% chance that I will be watching some on Sunday uh, because I'll be covering the UNC game. I don't even know what time the race is. Bobby, how about you? Are you going to tune in for the Atlanta race? Yeah. In terms of watching, I'd, I'd probably intently watch maybe like 20-something laps, I guess. So I would say it's probably in the 80 percentile that I'll watch, um, but I will prioritize the ECU-UNC baseball game for sure. All right, Kaysen, I know – that uh, you'll be probably covering. Are you are you going as a fan Sunday, or are you going to go as a media member? Sunday I'm going to go as a fan because we're going to have a big tailgate. Because it's if that's why it was you. Yeah, yeah, you're good, man. Okay. You can do what you want. So we're going to go Sunday. Me and some of my boys are going to tailgate and then go to the game. And so we will actually miss a good bit of the race because we will be watching the Tar Heels. Uh, Philip, you will be, I'm guessing, watching uh, at least yeah. some some portion. You you probably have some duties on Sunday. Well, I'll be producing. So okay, I'll be producing the game from the studio, so I have the iPad up. And uh, for you, especially, and kind of Bobby, Bobby already seems like he might tune in at the end. Atlanta is a lot like Daytona, so they'll be all in a big pack. So the end could end a lot like it did on Monday. So I go, if you get home in time, it could be an exciting last five or six laps to at least tune into and see if your boy Ryan Blaney comes out victorious. Yeah, tough, tough, tough start to the Ryan Blaney era. Uh, he, you know, he, he was making a move, and your boy Byron and uh, Bowman had to wreck everybody. And, uh, you know. Did you see Blaney's wrist when the wheel was turning and got caught yeah, in it? Oh, it my gosh. I thought, he, I thought he broke it. I was, he was, I was concerned. When you texted me that, I was like, is my favorite driver really going to get hurt right away? Um, what time does the race start, Philip? Ooh, good question. Can I think it's 3 or 3.30? I think it's 3. Bobby's, three. Bobby's got yeah. it, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, we will be – I will be in the jungle that day. Me and you are going to Chapel Hill Saturday, then Fayetteville to the Woodpeckers. Have you been to the Woodpeckers? Place? I have not been to the Woodpeckers. Serga Stadium, that place is amazing. Small press box, but very nice place. And then, is, is it called Boschmer on Saturday? Yep, the Bosch. On Friday? Uh, the Bosch on Friday, then Fayetteville. Saturday. So, yeah, so Horse Co. is hitting the road. I'll be looking for my first road win in K- two years. Kaysen is 0-9 <laughs> between all sports covered on the road, correct? Yeah, so he... He told me you should go on Friday, but I'm like, no, we're going to get a win, so it's okay. So if he loses Friday, Saturday, Kaysen's banned. So look, Kaysen, you could PA the softball game that I'm supposed to PA on Friday, and I can go. Because I've been to four EC road baseball games. They're 4-0. I went to Duke a couple years ago. Last year I went to ECU, or sorry, UNC, Elon, and Queens. So if you want to trade off. You know, I've never Katie will pay you forty bucks to PA something. You just say the numbers now batting shortstop number seven, whatever her name is. I mean, just any though. Come on, man. I've never done it, but I'll give us some thought. 
Um, all right, quick football schedule news before we get out of here. I want to hit, hit on this with you, Bobby. Um, ECU announcing or revealing, I guess, that they have added three FCS games for the coming year. In 2026, North Carolina Central. In 2028, Charleston Southern. And 2030, Norfolk State. So, again, I saw a lot of people freaking out about this. I guess they just don't know. A, you, you want to give yourself the best chance to make the playoff, and like 95% of teams schedule this way. You, you want an FCS game. You want basically a free win every year, Bobby. So what would you make of this news, if anything, from a Tuesday? I, I don't get why it's a big issue. Like, you look at 26, they added Central, okay? They're already playing App State and West Virginia at home, and they're at Old Dominion. Like, that's a very solid out-of-conference schedule to me. Uh, 2028, which was the other one, Charleston Southern, you're playing two ACC teams. You're playing NC State, Wake Forest, and then you've – that's the series with Coastal that was added recently. Like, again, great schedule in my opinion. And then lastly, uh, in 2030, like, you're already playing at South Carolina. So that's that's an SEC opponent. There's still a fourth team needed there, but uh, I'd be curious to see who they add. But, I mean, it's exactly what um, John Gilbert has said. Like, we're going to play an FCS team. We're going to play a local FBS team probably in the Sun Belt, which you see a, a lot of that in Coastal Carolina and Old Dominion. And then we're going to try to get one of those ACC, SEC teams that are pretty regional here. And to me, Bobby, it's like you with the playoff era now here, the, the days of scheduling like four power conferences for your non-conference, A, it's not realistic. B, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. Like, you, you want to be able to go 11 and 1, 12 and 0, you know, to have a shot at the playoff. Exactly. Like, Liberty, we just saw it last year. Granted, it's not the 12th team playoff, but they got the group of five bid for the, the power six or the, the, whatever bowl games on January 1st and like they had literally the worst uh, schedule strength of schedule in the country and they were it so they were 12 and 0 they won all their games like uh, to me that's what you got to set yourself up for I know as fans like we love seeing those big games but like the reality of an upset happening is not very high so if you're already starting out 11 and 1 or 10 and 2 that leaves very little room for error in conference play all right, it is about time to get out of here on this Wednesday. Great analysis from Bobby. And uh, tell you what, been a fun show. Always good when the Pirates are winning in basketball, and hopefully they get back to winning in baseball this weekend. We'll have Scott Rogers in studio tomorrow to preview the UNC series. And hopefully the Pirates can keep it rolling in basketball this weekend as well. But, Kaysen, appreciate your time, as always, man. And, uh, Bobby, thanks to you for joining us through your family sickness, and I uh, hope you guys get better soon. Philip Pilkington behind the glass, as always. Appreciate your support of the program and uh, all your technical wizardry, uh, as I always. appreciate it. Let's not get carried away now, but thank you. <laughs> uh, good stuff, guys, and thanks to uh, everybody on YouTube and Facebook for tuning in. Again, tomorrow, Scott Rogers. Friday, Joey football, and then a huge weekend ahead with Pirate Baseball on 94.3 The Game and also ECU Basketball on Saturday, too. ECU women's coverage today coming up as well, 94.3 The Game. we got to get out of here. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 12 noon. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game.